Okay, well we started, last week we started a new series. Uh, does anybody remember what it was about? It was about the, oh, what was his name? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It was in, in the Middle East. Yeah. Abraham, there you go. Or yes, Abram. With Abram, very good. So when he began his life, Abram was a young man. That's how everybody else begins their lives, too, I guess. So, right, so he was born. Do you remember the guy's name? Weird name. No, wait, his dad? Yeah. Oh my gosh, starts with a Tor Toro? You're pretty good tonight. You're pretty good. Tira. Tira, whatever. It's very good. <laughs> okay, so he is born by a man named Tira. We don't know much else about him except he has a brother, and his brother has a son, and the son's name is Lot, and he will come along the way in the story, although we don't see him much at this point in the story yet, but it's just to be mentioned, so it's his nephew, okay? Tira takes his whole family and moves to a place called... Wait, hair, it's... It's the name of, of like, one of their relatives. Right? Oh, you're, wait. You're, er, er, er. <laughs> <laughs> er, I don't know. So, Er is a region, okay? And you talked about that last week, and if you missed any of that, you can go back and look on Instagram. Or you can look uh, or listen online uh, for the audio also. Uh, Jacob talked about that last week. So, Basically, the whole point of where Abraham is, or Abram, who later uh, we become, we know him as Abraham later, but same guy, he is in a family where no one believes in God. Or at least no one believes exclusively in God. They believe in lots of gods, okay? Lots of things are important to them. So if you worship something, what do you do? What is it that makes worship? You believe in it. Okay, believe in it. And, and you say you, but what does that mean? You make worship. What, what does that mean? Give him praise. Okay, you praise him, it. What, what do you, what do people worship in their lives? You put it above everything else. You put it above everything else. That's, so you can worship anything, really. You could worship a car if you cared more about it than you cared about your daughter that stole it and took it away and and drove it around for a day, okay? And you were more concerned about the car than the daughter, okay? You could, and that would be like, it's up here, right? So when God looks down at us, he gives us all kinds of blessings. It's not bad to have a car, is it? Not bad to even have a nice car. Sure, no problem. God gives us a life full of blessings, and he says, I want you to have all of these things and use all these things, but I want you to keep me most important. Okay? And so how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you keep God most important? 
Have you ever had something that you have desired so much and what do you naturally do? You go to school and you think about it. And you're up all night and you think about it. You wake up, suddenly you finally fall asleep, you wake up, you think about it. Okay? When it's constantly coming to your mind, it's important. Okay? Now, I've had lots of things in my life that have been like that where I eat, sleep, and breathe something for a while. And then, over time, because I want to learn about it or I want to do something with it or I want to do... And as long as that's not my entire life and I forget about God, that's okay to be an intense person. That's okay. But be aware of your intensity that all I'm going to do is learn how to blacksmith. That's what I'm going to do. For months, I'm going to read everything, I'm going to learn everything, I'm going to get everything I need to do, and then I'm going to intensely go after it. And then it'll kind of die out eventually. I'll have either learned some level that I'm satisfied with or gotten tired of it or whatever, and but then something else will come. That's the way I tend to be with a lot of things in my life. If all I ever do is go from more important thing to more important thing to more important thing and never let God have his rightful place, then I must be aware of that. Be very careful of that. Okay? To actually worship God is to be able to put him first and to verbalize that. Or sometimes not even verbalize. Worship doesn't have to be out loud necessarily, although a lot of times it is. You can do something in a worshipful attitude in which you think, wow, that's really an amazing thing that you did for me. I have shot deer in my life. And some deer I've shot, I've just been excited and my heart pumping and everything. And that's great. It's good to have excitement about things in life. But... One recently that I've shot, I remember being the most thankful to God. Like the moment that it happened, thinking all the circumstances that all came together to make that happen were because God thought about me. He said, that can happen. He knows where every little bird is and every little tree. He knows where every deer is. He knows where you are. He knows where every hair on your head is. He knows how many you have tonight. And he knows how many you have right now. Because they're falling out. <laughs> they do. So, there's different attitudes you can have about it. And I don't know that I made any noise, but I think I was much more worshipful in doing one thing than another. So you can be worshipful in anything you do that's not something wrong. Okay, You can have a worshipful heart. Just something to note. Okay? We're going to watch Abraham, and he's going to kind of just live his life. But he is going to have sometimes where he's worshipful and does good things, and sometimes where it says, i got to go do something about this worship. And other times, he's eh, maybe not going to get it right so much. All right? So Abraham here, he's in Ur, and he is there until his father dies. 
I think his father was probably a pretty strong influence on him. Kept him there. But at one point, God says something to him. All right? So, if, you, if you've ever been in a family where they are very strong personalities, they influence you in one way or another. And a lot of times, you pick up traits and you don't even know it. And guess what? One day, the very thing that you most despised, remembered hearing from your mother or your father or whomever, you will one day be saying to your child, <laughs> and you will say, oh, I can't believe I heard it. Or it sounded just like my mother or my father or whatever. Okay? Those things run pretty deep in us. And so... It is a big deal for Abraham to stand up and walk away from a lifestyle in which all the rest of his family goes the other way. It's a big deal. All right. So let's watch and let's see what happens. God has something specific for him, uh, a message for him. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. If someone would read that, that would be grand. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy my... father's house, unto the land that I will shew thee. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Get up and go. You've been there. You actually got married there, so we know he is a little older. And do you remember who he marries? Sarah. Sarah. Now, when we meet her, her name is spelled like that. We also eventually get to know her uh, as Sarah with an H, okay? Abraham and Sarah, okay? So, Sarah and he, and he takes Lot along with him, they now have a challenge. He just get up and go. When God has something for you to do in your life, he does not often just give you a blessing of faith without you taking a step. God wants you to take the first step. Now, I put down quotes around the word first because that's not really true. Okay? God has called you to do something and he has he says to Abraham, okay, Abraham, I want you to get up and go. Leave your father's house. Go and do, go and leave. So is that really the first step that happened? God's been at work for a long time already. God's been doing the first 53 steps to get him up to that point where he's even acknowledging God. He's been reaching out to Abraham. He's been looking as Abraham walks through these houses and picks up this little wooden idol and says, 
Well, we pray to you in the morning, and uh, we pray we pray to you for for rain, and and then we pray to you for I don't know sunshine, and and we go through all these things. Is any of this real? Looks like a plastic bottle to me. I don't know that it ever helped. And sometimes we pray real hard and nothing happens. And sometimes we, we, we don't pray and the same thing happens. And is it real? See, God's at work already in Abraham's life, questioning what he sees, what he's always done. There are people who live in the midst of another civilization, and that could be this civilization here, or that could be someone, uh, they talked about one in, I think it was South America, where the missionaries went from America and went down into these tribes, indigenous tribes down in South America, and they went to see this tribe, but they, and they knew that these people lived in big groups. They came upon a small hut, a single person lived there. And they had not gotten to the tribe. They knew that there was a village ahead at some point because they had heard from villages behind them. They came up on this single person. They said, well, where's the rest of the village? And they said, oh, they're, they're down over there. Well, why don't you live with them? Isn't it, doesn't it make more sense that you live with them? I mean, you work in a community. You live in a community. It makes more sense. And he said, well, all those people down there... They believe in the rocks and the trees and the rivers and the sun and all that thing. And he said, I believe in a God who made them all. See, God was at work in that man's heart before a missionary ever set foot into his house. He knew something was different. His heart was open and God was working. Okay, So faith appears like, yep, God wants you to take a first step. And he will require you to do something. That step. Now, for Abraham, it's a literal step. I mean, he has to go, right? Get up and leave. And sometimes it takes that in our life. To have enough faith and trust in God that, okay, I'm going to make this step. And God, oftentimes the first one is a very small step when you look back. But it's a big step of faith. It's a big step of faith to begin with. All right. So what's he going to do? Well, let's follow the story. Second, uh, the second and third verse, please. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed by you. Okay. We have promise one and two. Very first thing is, if you get up, Abraham... I will do this. Promise one was what? Um, bless him and give him a great nation. Okay, so he's going to, first of all, he's going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Okay? By the way, if you know the story, Sarah has can have no children. Okay? And they've been married for some time. And they have no children. But I'm going to make of you a great nation. So one little bit more of him to believe. Really? <laughs> it's 
So I gotta get up, and you're gonna make a nation out of me. Don't you have to have kids to do that? Pretty much, that's how that goes, right? And what was the second, the second promise in that same? I think it was in the next verse. I'm gonna bless you, but also bless and curse those who bless you and curse you, okay? I'm going to bring a blessing on those who bless you and a curse on those who curse you. That is true to this very day because Abraham is the father of all of the Israelites, okay? And the nation of Israel to this very day, those people who are their allies and say, we are on your side, Israel. God has blessed those nations. Those, those nations whom have turned against and become enemies of Israel, God has, has brought them curses. Okay, God said it, not me. And he has made it a truth for all these generations. So when he makes a promise, it's good forever. So know that when we choose as a country who our allies are, be careful, because the promise is good forever, okay? So, those are the promises you make. Just get up and walk. Just go. I'm going to make of you a great nation and bless you and curse those. Bless those around you who bless you and curse those around you who curse you, okay? So, blessing means... If people take care of you, I will take care of them. If they go against you, I will go against them. That's going to be important a little bit later tonight as we see what else happens to him. All right? Here is what's important. This step is what pleases God. Let's go to Hebrews. Keep your fingers in Genesis. Let's go to Hebrews where we pick up... A look at the story years later. Paul talks about what is happening, or what has happened in their past. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter that we often refer to as the heroes in Hebrews. Okay, They are people from Adam all the way up through in Israel's history that had faith in God. All right? So chapter 11, verse number 8, 9, and 10, we want to read about Abraham, wherever we left off, please. 8, 9, and 10, chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promises, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Okay, so he did these things by faith. By faith, he got up and he left. Okay, he was called out of a place and he obeyed. That's an important thing. Here's the funny thing about faith. How many of you, have you heard of Nick Walenda? I mean, is this? <gasps> yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. So the guy who rocked the tightrope. Amy and I went to see him walk across Niagara Falls. Why would you do okay. That? What? Why would you do that? Why? What if you watch him die? 
He didn't. <laughs> and it was awesome, okay? Was that, the one, was that the one where he was like, I can't use the tether, it messes me up? Yeah. And he did it without the tether. He did it without the tether, yeah. So a line tying like, it. goes behind him, so if he falls, he doesn't die. Oh. Right. Because, and he couldn't. And he didn't. He did just fine. So, he is not the first one. So, he, he stretched a tightrope between America and Canada. Okay, up on Niagara Falls. He stretched a tightrope across Niagara Falls, right over the top. And this was a big steel tightrope. And it's a long ways. I don't know if you've been up to Niagara Falls. It's a long ways across there. A very long ways to walk on a tightrope. I mean, I don't think I can get 10 feet, much less, all the way across. And it's such a long thing that they actually had to hang stretches of cable at different lengths off of it. Because as you walk, the wire starts doing this more and more and more and more and more. And it throws you off it, like a big banjo. So there's all these different lengths of cable. Some of them are 20 feet long, some are 10 feet long, 3 feet long. And it takes all the frequencies out and it slows that down and, and deadens it. So needless to say, there's a lot that goes into just walking across. Okay, But he is not the first. It was impressive to see him do this. But... Around 100 years ago, 100, well, probably a little more than that, 100, 120 years ago now, 130 years ago, 1890s up through the early 1900s, there were tightrope walkers that did the very same thing. But they put on a show for people. They didn't just walk across and everybody said, that's incredible, because it is incredible, okay? Let's <laughs> see it. Well, so one of them took a cast iron cook stove out onto this wire, okay, started a fire in it. I don't know how they balanced it on there. I, I don't know, but they took this cast iron cook stove, brought a pan out, and fried an egg on the middle, out in the middle of the thing, right, just to show them they could. Like, I don't think I, to carry a cast iron stove, now, I don't know how big it was, but big enough to cook an egg. I don't know, because you're out there. So then one guy, yes, took a wheelbarrow, well, he first went across, and then he took a wheelbarrow, and he wheeled it across. Now, that's pretty good to keep a wheelbarrow. Think about it. Not a rubber tire, right? Steel tire or maybe a wooden tire at the time, and wheel it across. I probably would have put a groove in it, you know, just so it stayed up there. <laughs> but I don't have any skills like that, so. Went across and came back, and everybody said, that's amazing. You know, they, he first did it without a wheelbarrow, and, they, and he said, do you think I could do it with a wheelbarrow? Yes, 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 that's incredible. They all cheered, and then he went, and he came back, and then he said, somebody get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> and that would sound great until you got in, and he started pushing, because what if he just dropped you? Then you'd die. You would die. <laughs> No one got in the wheelbarrow, by the way. And that is a great illustration of what faith really is. You can look at what God does and say, that's impressive. I know you can do anything. But do you have enough belief to go with and through it? That's where faith really comes about. Do you have enough faith in God? 
Yep, God, you can do miracles. You can cross that wire, and you could do it without any trouble. But do you have enough faith to get in the wheelbarrow? And let him take care of your fate. Right? Because as you walk across that wire, and you're sitting in a wheelbarrow, there is nothing you could do if he dropped you. Nothing. Right? Because you just like dumped off the side further away from the wire. It's not like you could grab the wire or anything. He would just, off you'd go, because what happens if he started to lose his balance? Well, he's not going to save you first, right? <laughs> he's going to stay on the wire, probably. And that big thing, as you're pushing yourself around now, I'm guessing you would sit very still the whole time. I would if I was being pushed across in a wheelbarrow. So... The idea is this. Do you have the faith, not only just to say, yep, God is all-powerful, but is he all-powerful for you in your life? Is it real enough for you to change something in your life, to get up and do something? That's where Abraham faced it. He's not getting up and moving five miles away. Where did he go? What did it say in that first verse that we read in Hebrews? No, what does it say in Hebrews? Um, by faith, when he was called to go, he, he end of the verse. Not knowing. Not at the end of the verse. He had no idea. So where are you headed, Abram? I don't know. So I got a family I got to take care of, or at least a wife, and now a nephew. And probably some others that went along with him. Where are we going? I don't really know. Why are you going here then? Well, I've been hearing this voice. And the voice of what? Well, see, I think there's this God. Which one? Well, none of the ones that we've ever learned. <laughs> That's a whole new one. Just for me, right? Just for me. I found him, and we're going to have to get up and go. All of them. What do you think Sarah had? An opinion probably about that, I'm sure. So he probably had a little resistance. Though it doesn't talk about it. If you've ever lived in a family long enough, you know you have resistance with a bunch of personalities together. It's just how it is. Right? I don't care who, what family you're in, there's always a resistance from one to another, right? It's how it is. So here you are, and he says, yeah, we're going to get up, and we're going to go. Well, are we going to a better place? I don't know. Is it going to be the place I hate over there? And what? Maybe. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know. Well, we should get up and go, because we need to go now. Because God, who you don't believe in, told us we should. So he's putting himself in the wheelbarrow. Costs him something. Costs him his reputation at the very least. Might cost him his marriage. Might cost him his life. He doesn't know. But God, if he trusts him, God says, I'm going to make a nation out of you. A great nation. Okay, well God says he's not going to kill me right off at least anyways. And he's going to have bless me and curse me as as those things happen. So I just have to believe that it's going to happen. All right? I just have to believe it. So 
The first thing was for him to get up and go. The second thing was he stayed in that land, that promised land, then, and he never owned it. He just went on the fact that God promised him that his children would own it, which he didn't have yet. So it's looking pretty bleak at this point because what kids? Who cares? You tell me my kids are going to own this? What kids? That seems impossible. I know it's impossible because we've been trying to have kids for years now and nothing's happening. So, not working for me. Everything seems stacked up against it. And guess what? That is exactly where God likes to work. Where everything seems stacked up against you. The deck is stacked against him. And God says, perfect. So when this happens, when I show you that I can do this, you will never be able to say, well, I did it all by myself. Nope. It was only God. And that's why God often works in these ways. He lets everything go as far as it can very possibly go, and then a little further, and says, do you trust me? Get in the wheelbarrow. I can do this. Do you trust me? Yeah, but God, all the circumstances just don't, they don't make sense anymore. Doesn't matter. Do you trust me? I can work beyond all these things. Well, I know you can do it, God. But he says, but is it real to you? Will you get in the wheelbarrow? Is it real to you? That's the faith that God wants. And that's what he said, it pleased God. That pleased God. He's got faith in me. I'm going to move heaven and earth to make this happen. Because he believed in me. That's the way God works. Okay? He likes a challenge. Because it's not a challenge to him. It's a growth opportunity for us. All right? So he stretches Abraham, and meanwhile, he's stretching Sarah and Lot and the rest of them, the crew that he goes with, because they're all watching. What's Abraham going to do? Are we just going to walk forever? Yeah. Are we there yet? I don't know. He walked his whole life. Aren't we there yet? <laughs> nope. God says, keep walking. So we're going to walk. But as God continues to work, he does amazing things. All right, back to Genesis chapter number 12, verse number 4 through 6, please. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And, Aaron, and Abram passed through the land into the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Morah, Mor and the Canaanite. Canaanite. 
was then in the land. Okay, so here it is. He gets up and he goes. Heads off to the land wherever God tells him. I don't know if God points away or tells him. Just, okay, keep walking. I'll direct your steps. Keep walking. And so he does. Verse 7 and 8, please. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed I will give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. From there he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent of Bethel on the west and the A on the east. He built an altar to the Lord there and he called on the name of the Lord. Okay, here it is. Now, you walked, Abraham. You did it. You took the first step. Not really. But then, I'm going to give you another promise. Promise number three. Okay, another promise. And what's that promise? I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this land. Give it to your descendants. That's my next promise to you because... You took that step in faith. You believed in me. So I'm telling you more. And that is often the way God does it. He says, if you want to have this back and forth, this relationship in there, you learn from me and I tell you things, then you have to trust me. I'm not just going to give it to you. You have to trust me. And I'm going to do it. Show me that you trust me. Get in the wheelbarrow. Take the first step. Let's move. And then he blesses him again. Shows him something else. Okay? Again, I'm going to give this to your family. Still no children. 75 years old. Not a young guy anymore. But 75 years old. Still no children. Okay? But he's going to have to believe in God or not. And that's where God brings down these things to say, either you're going to or not. You make a choice. All right, now, here it is. Abraham did a great job, didn't he? And then maybe not so great. <laughs> Next step. So verse 9 through 16, let's read that story. As they continue to walk. And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to Soyorn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said to Sarah, that's Sarah, right? Yeah, Sarah. Uh, Sarah, his wife, behold thou, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will see thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptian beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her, and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well because of her, and Abram acquired flocks and herds, male and female donkeys, male and female slaves, and camels. Okay, so, well, as we are heading along, all of a sudden, in the land of the Canaanites, the promised land, it's looking like a problem because all of a sudden there's a famine. So they decide sort of to head towards Egypt. They get to Egypt. 
They get right in downtown, wherever the pharaoh is, okay, right in the main city, and they and Abraham says, you know, Sarah, you are gorgeous. You're amazing. You're hot. You're amazing. But when they see you, they're going to want to take you away from me. And the only way they're going to do that is kill me. So what you have to do is just tell them, tell them that you're my sister. Now, it seems kind of like a stupid plan to me. I mean, I'm not sure what his thought was. Like, yeah, they'll just take her, but I'll live. I don't know. It didn't seem like it was working out very well. Okay. But he does this and she's like, okay, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a very bright plan at this point. And there's something wrong with it. Okay. Not everybody's brilliant all the time. I got that. But why did Abraham really do it? What's driving him? One thing, one word. His fear. What? His fear. His fear. He is afraid for his life. So, let's look at his promises. Make a great nation. Yeah, okay, not so good. How about this one? I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Isn't that kind of like God's going to protect you? But I'm going to break and make a great nation. And so far, we're batting zero, okay, on this whole making a nation thing. So maybe if you trust God through this, and I'm not saying this in a judgmental way. I'm just saying it as a, maybe this was God saying, what are you going to do, Abraham? Are you going to believe that I can, that I can take care of you? You got up and went, and that's good. Are you going to believe that I can take care of you through all this? Even in the face of a little danger? Well, I got this plan, and so I'm just going to do this plan. In which, his wife is stolen, and I guess that was part of the plan. Because what else did he think would happen, Right? She's my sister. Oh, I'll take her. Okay? And so the Pharaoh takes her and takes her to be his wife. So then Abraham's like, well, then what? I guess I lived? I don't know. <laughs> Hooray! It worked. But that was dumb, right? Because what about Sarah? Yeah, right, right. Seems like a bad plan still. That's like selfish, because he's, he's like, oh, I want to live, so. And so, his trust has got a long way to go. And you know what's funny? Years later, he'll do the very same thing. After all of God's promises, 
he'll fall into the very same thing again. Tell him I'm your, tell him you're my sister. <laughs> Didn't work out last time. Not going to work out this time. But there is, he's human. And that's the thing about it. No one is saying, well, you take every step perfectly and it's all right. But they are, God is saying, I do need you to take a step. I do need you to believe. So is God just say, well, yeah, you messed up. Sorry, Abraham. You're all done. Nope. He knows Abraham is weak. And so what's he going to do? Verse number 18 through 20. Well, sorry, verse 17. I'm sorry. Verse 17, this is what he does. The Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai Abram's Okay. He never touched her, but as soon as she walked into the house, all of a sudden everything went wrong. A lot of things went wrong. Plagues. They don't even know what. Was it diseases? Was it animals? Was it... Who knows what happened? Was it things were breaking and falling? I don't know. All of a sudden, things are going wrong. As soon as that woman came into this house, everything started to go wrong. Verse number 18. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Uh, why sayest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her in to me to wife. Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her, and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife, and all that he had. So, whew, God protected him that time, right? He made it. Just made it. But it's because he's not perfect. Abraham is not a perfect guy. But Abraham is still counted amongst some of the greatest fathers forefathers of the faith because God says it pleased me that you believed in me. He understands that we are frail as humans. But he does want us to step up in faith. And there are times that he expects it. And so when you summed all of Abraham's life all up in the end in Hebrews you said God said, get up and go, and he believed it, and he did, and that pleased God, and that was counted to him for faith. And he sojourned, or he stayed and lived in the land which God promised to him, and that was counted to him for faith. And that's really it. He summed up his whole life in a couple promises. Now, there are more promises to come in his life, but in the end... He made some choices, and there were critical ones, and those were counted to him in eternity as, that's a faithful servant. Yeah, he messed this one up too, here, but he did the right thing. He stood for when he needed to stand. He got up when it was hard, when his family, none of them believed, and he walked in the direction he didn't know. Trust in God. Okay? There will be things in your life. There will be times where we have weakness. 
But there will be defining moments, all right? Defining steps of faith. Ones that will define who you are and what you really believe. It will define how strong your faith is. And there will be times in your life, whatever they might be, they might be really hard for you to do and not a big deal for another person. But it is your faith that grows during those steps. All right? You could say, eh, big deal. I'd go away from my house any day, right? I'd get up and leave any day. It might not be hard for you. It might be very hard for Abraham to do what he did. Where something else that he did you might struggle with. But there are defining moments of faith in your life that will make you or break you. Who are you? If people write two sentences about your life, which is about all that Abraham got in the book of Hebrews, or a sentence about you in their life, what could they say that you had done? If you boiled it all down, what could they say you had done in regards to God? Did you believe? Did you have faith? Could they write anything about your life that said he had the faith to do that when it, when it seemed impossible? When everything seemed to go against the odds, he stood up and said, I believe. So some of you might be struggling in something this very day. Some question in your mind. Something God is saying, do this. I want you to believe this. I want you to go here. I want you to change this. I want you to stand up for this. Is God doing that for you right now? Or where will be the time and will you be ready? Will you be prepared? Are you determined to stand up? Is there something that looks impossible standing in front of you that you're struggling with that looks totally impossible that you that God's saying just trust me maybe somebody's struggling with that right now know this he's mighty he can do anything but he wants you to go through it with him he wants you to grow in that faith do you see something that you impossible that you say it's just impossible, just can't, just can't happen? God says, "Good, I want you to believe me. Just trust me. I can do this." All the situation looks bleak and impossible, but I want you to trust me. If you can believe that God's promises are good then they always will stand for you. They always will be good. I want you to know, even in our country right now, we stand up against some great challenges. And do we know which direction it's going to go? Well, the one thing we do know is that God has given us some promises 
To finish this out, I want you to listen to the words of David. Listen to these words about those who believe in him. If you think God can't get us through a tough time and do what he wants with it, and I don't care about situations and circumstances and and all the rest of it, it all seems impossible, God can do whatever he wants. This is what God says about those who believe in him. He calls it dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, or those people who really are close to God, trust him. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence, or that is, disease. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust his truth. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor by the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in thy hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. He says, I will protect them, though a thousand people fall this way and that way around you. He says, evil will have its day and the evil will fall. But if you will believe in God, if you will trust in him, he will walk you through like like a gauntlet in your life sometimes where A thousand fall here and ten thousand fall there, but you walk right through and don't even know how you do it. Because he says, I have the perfect ability to do that if you trust me. Can you get in the wheelbarrow? That's the challenge of Abraham and faith. Thank you very much.